When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From New York City, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm John McWhorter, and last week I parked in front of somebody's garage. I just can't get over this. I'm in a neighborhood where you have to do a lot of side switching, and it can be hard to find spaces, and sometimes you have to go far and wide before you finally find one. And there was one which, in retrospect, was a little improbable, a little too good to be true, but as usual, I was in a hurry. And so I just parked in this space, and for some reason, I didn't notice that I was right in front of somebody's garage. What happened was that when I went back to the car a few days later, there was a note on it. And the note was civil, firm, but civil, but it was in Spanish. In my neighborhood, there are a great many people who speak Spanish. In fact, often I feel as if English is the neighborhood's second language, which is fine with me. But the note actually really touched me in about 80 ways. And what it said in English was, this is not a parking spot. I couldn't get my car out of the garage. If I come back and I find it another time, I'm going to call the tow truck. Now, in Spanish, to give you a sense of it, this is a note written in you know, very elegant capital letters. It was, Este no es parqueo. No pude sacar mi carro del garaje. Si regreso y lo encuentro otra vez, llamaré la grúa. Sorry about my accent, etc., but I wanted it to be me reading it, to show you that I processed this. And I felt so guilty about what I did. But, of course, because I'm a linguist and I'm strange, I found myself also thinking about the composition of it. And now the fact is, I don't really know Spanish anymore, at least not the way I used to. And there were all sorts of things that I realized I would now get wrong. And it got my mind going in all sorts of ways. I think you all might find some of them interesting. And so today's show is going to be a kind of tribute to the Spanish language from the bottom of my heart. Also, as just a kind of way for me to work through that I parked in front of this person's garage. I, for some reason, imagine it as a woman for no reason. I frankly have it in my mind that it's the actress and comedian Liz Torres, which it certainly isn't, but that's who I'm imagining. But there are all sorts of things in this note, which I'm reading from right now. One of them is that word parqueo for parking lot. Now, what it said was, este no es parqueo. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had written this, then I would have written, este no es 
un parqueo. That's what I would have put, and I would have sounded infelicitous. This person is not infelicitous because it's her, his native language. And it's one of those things that gets you thinking about articles. Articles seem so natural to us in English, and they seem so natural partly because in other languages that we learn, like French and Spanish and German, there are articles too. But goodness, the subtleties of them are amazing, even when you just go the short distance from English to Spanish. Even in English, though, we don't think about it, but it's a miracle how easily we use the and a. It's truly spectacular. We don't think about it. They seem very dull words until, of course, you listen to especially Eastern Europeans when they're trying to master articles. Often, the two things that they get last are the articles and the future tense and how we mark it in English. And so, for example, we got the car and went to a movie. So we're told that the, as the definite article, is about something that's already been brought up, and then a is something that you're bringing in new. So we got the car, and of course we've probably talked about our Honda Civic, and went to a movie, and that's being brought up for the first time, and that's different from we got a car and went to the movie, which would mean that you rented a car or you towed a car from in front of somebody's garage or something like that, and then went to the movie, which you had talked about before. You had talked about going to see Here's Boomer or Gone with the Wind. But then again, it's not that simple. Imagine reading that in some Welcome to English or you know English in 20 Days books, and then hearing somebody say something like, what's the most intelligent thing to do? Well, if you don't know what the thing to do is, then why is it what's the most intelligent thing to do? You haven't brought it up. Why isn't it what's a most intelligent thing to do? And you're just kind of stuck there, and we have other things to think about. We're trying to park our car, so we just deal with it. If you control the way English uses articles, you are driving a very fine-tuned car, so to speak. You're all thinking it. I'm thinking it. And so, yes, it's time for a clip, and I don't even need to tell you what the clip is going to be. Here it goes. Then we steal Matris, Boris. No time like the president, Natasha. Look, we're coming to tunnel. When it gets dark, we grab Matris and make a run for it, okay? Okay. In this note from the car, este no es parqueo. This is not a parking lot, but not un parqueo. In Spanish, you have to know, I knew this once, and then I forgot it. If you're dealing with an is sentence, you don't use the indefinite article. The indefinite article is somewhat more meaningful in Spanish than it is in English. You don't just stick it in. So if Pedro is a doctor, then Pedro es médico, not Pedro es un médico. You know, they'll understand you if you say that, but you sound like a bit of a jackass. Pedro es médico. Well, este no es parqueo. I wouldn't have put it that way. Language is a marvelous thing. This is not a parking lot. No pude sacar mi carro del garaje. Okay, so I couldn't get no pude sacar. Okay, pude. That word could, couldn't get it out. Now, one thing you think, if you're a linguist, you look at words and often you have a disease that ought to have a name where you're always thinking about what the etymology or the earlier form of a word might be. And I was thinking, so pude, that poder, that can to be able verb. That goes back to a root that was roughly poti in Proto-Indo-European, the Ukrainian language that basically gave birth to most of the languages of Europe and quite a few of Iran and India. And that poti word meant lord 
or husband. And so you can imagine how something that originally meant lord comes to mean that you have control over something that you have ability. But you never know where these ancient roots were going to end up in which languages. So poti, it becomes for one thing, pude or poder in Spanish. But then in the word despot in English, what do you think the put is? The spelling gives a little bit of it away. The des is from a word that meant house, despot was lord of the house, house lord, despot. That put is that same poti. And so you just never know where things are going to go. So, for example, our middle ear bones that you never see, they're really tiny, the stirrup, the anvil and the hammer or something like that, those in a reptile are the back of its jaw. So the DNA can do different things in that way. Same thing with this poti, which becomes pude, as in I couldn't get my car out of the garage in one language. And then in English, among other things, it's in that word despot. You never know. That part of it touched me because if you say pude, that's in the preterite, the past that's about bang, as opposed to we were going along and. So you remember when you're learning French or Spanish, there's the imperfect and the preterite. So the students were studying when bang, the bell rang. So pude. Now, it wasn't podia, which would have been the imperfect. It's pude, meaning that this person gave me a picture in my mind of them at one point trying to get their car out of the garage, and they couldn't. It was graphic. I interfered with Liz Torres's day right then and there, as opposed to all week I couldn't get it out, which, of course, is worse, but it doesn't pull on your heartstrings as much. And that led me to think, hmm, is it that in Spanish, because of the structure, it changes your thoughts somewhat? Because in English, the most likely way of putting it would have been, I couldn't get my car out of the garage. Now, that could mean either that you couldn't get it out at one particular time or not all week. In Spanish, you're more specific, pude. But as many of you may remember from the show that I did on the movie Arrival a while ago, that idea that your language's structure shapes your thought is extremely shaky. And it's something that I tend to try to warn my listeners and readers away from taking too literally and from taking too uncritically, because there's as much wrong with it as right with it. And for the details, go back to the arrival episode. But you always have to think a little bit further. And so, for example, in English, we do make that distinction. And so, for example, I went versus I used to go. Used to go stretches it over time. Went is bang right then. The little clot that we're dealing with here is really a matter mostly of auxiliaries, where Spanish ends up keeping that specificity and English kind of flattens it out. But in general, we've got it. These little differences, nevertheless, are always fascinating. They're neat in themselves. It's just what people sometimes are told to make of it that can be worrisome. And so in Spanish, for example, there are two words for corner, esquina and rincón. The esquina is something that you are standing on outside watching people go by. Rincón is what you send a kid into. The rincón is the corner inside. Now, it's one thing to think, well, I guess that means that if you speak Spanish, then you have a heightened sense of what a corner is and what a different way to think. But you've got to be careful. Talk to some Scandinavians about wiping. They can erase. There's a verb that means to erase. But 
There's no verb in Swedish specifically dedicated to wiping. If you think about it, you don't need to have that verb. They're really the same action. To have a verb specifically devoted to wiping rather than erasing is kind of a frill. A language doesn't need that. And therefore, Swedish is a language that doesn't. I'm told that Danish doesn't either. And yet you're certainly not going to say that Swedes don't wipe. I have practically seen one do it. And so you have to be careful what these meanings supposedly are. What does this have to do with Spanish? I'll give you one. This is one of the lesser Bugs Bunny cartoons. It's called Fresh Hair. For some reason, this is one of the ones that was dubbed rather athletically into Spanish. So at this point, Bugs Bunny is making his first appearance bodily in the cartoon and listen to what he says in Spanish. And you can imagine what this is in English. By the way, did you know that What's Up Doc actually comes from the fact that for about 10 minutes, high school kids in Texas were calling each other Doc. That's where that came from, to give you a sense of the evanescence of slang. And so it's like, pasa, Doc, or however he says it. What he's saying is, what happens? Notice that in English, we would say, what's happening right now? In Spanish, you can say, what happens. And the fact that he's talking about what's happening right then in Spanish is left to context. He could say que está pasando, but that would not be idiomatic. He says que pasa. If he can get away with that, and we know nevertheless that Spanish is not blunt in that way, that's the sort of thing that I mean. We're all sharing the same experience, basically. Our language dances around on the top of experience, and our individual language marks some things more than others. But it doesn't necessarily mean that each language makes you look at the world through a different pair of glasses. Although I'll leave you with this, and I don't know where to put it. What Elmer says afterward, Mike, please play that again. He needs the keys to get him out of the handcuffs, get me out of these handcuffs. And the word for handcuffs is the word for wife. I don't even want to deal with it, but I just had to mention it because I'll bet some of you who speak Spanish noticed it. By the way, folks, while we're digressing, I would like to invite you to look at my new YouTube series that I'm putting together myself on Creoles. And it isn't couched in the tone I use for this show in the Valley. And so there's no music, there are no silly digressions, but I still am trying for a fireside chat kind of accessibility. And so if you think Creoles are neat, then this series will help dissuade you from the idea that they aren't. Ah, that was a biased way of putting it. And you know what? I'm going to leave it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No pude sacar mi carro. I couldn't get my car sacar. I couldn't get my car out of the garage. It got me thinking about language learning, something I always tell people, which is if you are trying to learn another language, something that the books often will not tell you, but they should, is 
watch out for what we think of as getting and putting and taking. Those three verbs are so overused in this language. And the truth is that in almost any other language you learn, the words for get, put, and take are not going to be used that way. So you very early on need to get your mind wrapped around the fact that our get, put, and take are worn out, messy, raggedy ass little verbs. Imagine put. Put it here. I don't mean put it there, pal. I mean place the thing here. Put it here. Then put it in here. And then put it away. If you're learning another language, you will find that it's highly unlikely that you're going to use put for all three of those things. It might not be for any of them. I remember when I was first trying to learn Spanish and I was thinking, well, what is the word forget? My voice was higher. Obtenir. You never use obtenir. That's not a word. And then, well, I wonder what the word for put is because you're always saying put. Colocar. Poner. But almost never them. And then take. Tomar. Good luck. No, it, it never works. I remember when I actually took some Berlitz lessons for Russian. I like to do it all myself, but Russian is so hard that I actually decided I need to sit in a room with somebody and work on this. And I remember we did a whole lesson on just pudding one day, sticking flowers into a vase and pulling them out. All of it was very difficult. So it's just something to think about. So always work on how you're going to say, I couldn't get it out. It's not going to be, I couldn't obtain it out. That's not how it works. Or get that off of there. Think about how often you say that. Especially with children, but even before, I probably say get that off of there once a day. But it certainly isn't obtain that off of there. How do you say it? Always watch out in language learning for get, put, and take. If your language book doesn't have it, sew in a page that says it. If your language set isn't telling you this, then go on your phone and record somebody, maybe me, saying it. If your language teacher isn't stressing this after about six months, then tell the teacher to just say it back to you so that it will have been said to you. This is very, very important. Seinfeld episode where Elaine has been out on a date and when they're about to have a kiss goodnight, for some reason, the guy pulls out his part and they fade away. They don't actually show it. But then Elaine is telling Jerry about this in the next scene. Listen to this scene, and when you're learning a language, try to imagine how you would translate this exchange. Come on, how was your date? Oh, the date. The date. Yeah, how was it? Interesting. Really? Ooh, yeah. Why, what happened? Let's see. How shall I put this? Well, just put it. He took it out. He what? He took it out. He took what out? It. He took it out? Yes, sirree, Bob. He couldn't. He took it out. Is that going to be with the take verb that you learn? Probably not. And yet that is a highly idiomatic exchange. No pude sacar mi carro del garaje. Okay, I couldn't get my car out of the garage. Si regreso y lo encuentro otra vez. If I come back, regreso. That one got me too. 
Because if the person says carro for car instead of coche, right there, you know, this is Latin American Spanish rather than Castilian Spanish. I remember when I learned Spanish back in about 1918, I was taught coche, but that's Spanish Spanish. In Latin American Spanish, i.e. the Spanish that an American is vastly more likely to deal with, carro. Okay. But then, regreso. That kind of got me. Because what I also learned from my days in Spanish was that that would have been vuelvo. You know, regresar is there, but I learned vuelvo for that. And yet this person said regreso, which, you know, is perfectly proper, of course, as well. This is Liz's native language. But I thought to myself, interesting. I'll bet that is dialectal too. And by that, I don't mean somehow insubstantial, but I thought I'll bet the vuelvo that I learned for this is more continental than regreso. And I did some asking around and some hunting around and some nosing around, and that seems to be the case, that her saying regreso marks her as a Latin American Spanish speaker, more likely than the person who wrote this having been somebody who's visiting from Barcelona or Madrid. And it just gets you thinking about how languages are bundles of dialects. And that's another part of what makes them so much fun. Go to Canada. The French that you learned in class is about as useful as your Hungarian sometimes. It's a completely different dialect. The Japanese will tell you that they can barely understand anything anybody says in the Ryukyuan Islands. Arabic really refers to about 15 different languages. Moroccan, Arabic, and Standard Arabic are like Latin and Italian. And even languages like Tamil in India. There's written Tamil. Then there's how Tamil is actually spoken. They are practically different languages, dialects all over the place. And with Spanish, it's more than just little alternations like carro and coche and you know regresar and volver. There are neat things, especially with pronouns. And running around in my neighborhood where it seems like everybody but me and my family are either Colombian, Peruvian, or Ecuadorian, or from India, or China. We are the only native English speakers in the whole neighborhood. It's a lot of fun. I'm vastly exaggerating. But listening for a couple of months, I was noticing I have trouble understanding what a lot of these people are saying when I really shouldn't be. You know, I'm not that rusty. And I started to realize that about 50% of it was that I forgot that you learn in school that there's tu and usted. Tu, informal. Usted is formal. But in Latin America, there's also often vos, and that's this other word for you. For example, in Honduras and El Salvador in particular, let's say there's a next door neighbor and you're chummy with him, but you you haven't seen him wipe, but you're chummy. He's tu. Now, vos is with people who you have seen wipe. That's, that's actually a pretty good metric. And so that is your kids, your lovers, depending on what you're into. That is really close. So that's vos. Then usted is for the person at the bank or your teacher or Melania Trump or something like that. So you have those three levels. It's the sort of thing that you would almost associate with a language spoken somewhere in Asia or a culture that's being described as different from American culture. No, it's quite ordinary in many dialects of Spanish to have distinctions like that. Honduras and El Salvador are particularly good for those three levels. More fun than you would know in school. And it's the vos that's allowed me to understand more than I did. Let's listen to some 
Argentinian rap. I mean, don't we all get that urge every now and then? We're going to listen to El Picky 3P. That's his name. He's singing about his love life. And I could barely get any of it until I wrapped my head around Vos, completely different from the tu and the use that. I know that you're worried about who I'm talking to and who I'm not talking to, and then neither you nor I know what our relationship is. So, ni vos ni yo. So, Mike, if we could artificially slow that down, because one, it's Argentinian Spanish, and most of us don't know Argentinian Spanish. Two, he's a rapper, and so, of course, there's a little bit of the slurry diction that apparently is a form of rapio charisma. So, just kind of slow it down. Yeah, and then the next line is um, I feel free, but you are only mine. And so, vos sos, not sois, by the way, if that's what you learned. I was taught that. I was taught Castilian Spanish, as if I'm going to Spain anytime soon. Vos sos. And so, vos sos, you are solo mia. So there it is in there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Far be it from me to tell anybody how they should evaluate how they talk or how other people talk. Unless it's in English where I do feel like I have a few things to say. But even in Spanish, I'm going to put a couple of cents out there. Something I hear a lot in the neighborhood is people make fun of their own native fluent Spanish. They say that it's Spanglish because it's got lots of English words in it. Well, you know what? Spanglish is wonderful. And Spanglish is natural because, of course, if Spanish gets brought to a country where English is the dominant language, of course, it's going to get all shot through with English and become yet another dialect of Spanish. But that doesn't make it English, because I can certainly tell you from my perspective that this thing you're calling Spanglish is Spanish to me. So, for example, English is full of French words, and yet nobody's worried about it being Franglish. Lexicon Valley. Valley is a French word. Or just recently, I tore out of the headlines a list of current films. Atomic Blonde, An Inconvenient Sequel, Dark Tower, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, Detroit, and Terminator 2, Judgment Day. All those movies. So, Atomic Blonde, both words French. Inconvenient Sequel, Sequel is French, Inconvenient is Latin. Dark Tower, Dark, that's ours, Tower is French. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, City and Planets are French words. Detroit is from a French word meaning straight, as in S-T-R-A-I-T, and Terminator is a Latin word. Judgment is French. So, 
These are very demotic movie titles eaten with popcorn and runny noses, and yet those are our French words and nobody bats an eye. Spanglish is just what happens to Spanish when it bestrides the world and goes to different places. Nobody should have any problem with their Spanglish. There, I said it. That's stepping way outside of where I belong. But, you know, given that I'm parking in front of people's garages, it seems to be a pattern. Anyway, imagine you get a note on your car and it's in Spanish. There was no English on the other side. It was in Spanish. It's kind of interesting. Now, as I said, Spanish is very commonly spoken in the neighborhood. But it did throw me for a minute. This person... How do they know that I happen to know enough Spanish to get what they're writing? It's highly idiomatic Spanish. And I thought, well, maybe they saw me, but I would think then they would run down the street after me because Dominicans in particular tend to assume I'm Dominican. I now accept that I'm Dominican. Just coming to this studio, a Dominican woman came up to me and asked me to help her with her phone. And I tried my best because I am Dominican. So maybe this person saw me. But I'll bet they didn't. And the truth is that in the neighborhood, Spanish is so useful that it actually made sense to write it in Spanish if the person didn't happen to be up to writing it in English, because probably every second person in the neighborhood would be able to understand it. And that got me thinking about what language should your kids learn? And a few years ago, I made some French teachers very, very angry because I wrote a piece that said that in today's America, I think it would be a better idea for people to learn Spanish first rather than French, at least in most parts of the country, simply because we're surrounded by people who speak Spanish. And if you want to actually use a language after you've sat through your classroom teachings or your Rosetta Stone or, or your babble, I thought, well, don't you want to speak it with a real person? And most of us don't live around many French speakers. Now, These people, based on some of the sentences in the piece, thought that I was saying that French is just a useless language for anybody in the world. And so now French is a language that doesn't like me. It's interesting. I've always gotten the feeling Spanish and Russian and Hebrew liked me. But French and Finnish and Japanese don't like me for for various reasons. And no, this is not only about romantic relationships. There are all sorts of reasons. But I didn't mean that. I just meant that Spanish is more useful if you want to wrap your tongue around something where you will actually get to have back and forth. Now, Mandarin is so fashionable. The idea is that little Zoe is going to learn some Mandarin. You know what, folks? You know, I'm having a great time trying to learn Chinese, but I'm not sure that's the best one to start somebody with because from English, it's so hard. You need major immersion. Remember, you have to sing your Mandarin. You have to be able to do the tones. And then to the extent that you're going to reinforce the learning with writing in any way, remember that the Chinese writing system, and I love it to death like I love Mount Everest, but the Chinese writing system is an elegant nightmare, which is completely inaccessible to anybody who is three or four or even sometimes I feel like almost 52 years old. And so French, unless, I mean, you live near you know Canada or something, I'm not sure that that's very useful. And then with Mandarin, it's just, I say with great love for the language, it's just too damn hard. Whereas with Spanish, there it is. And 
it gets me to thinking about a very early experience of mine, the cat in the hat, when they did an animated version. The beginning of me was one song in this where they basically exposed you to the words for cat and hat in a whole bunch of languages. This knocked my socks off. I remember sitting there in front of the TV and just glowing. I threw up a little, almost, as they say. Cat, hat, in French, chat chapeau, in Spanish, el gato in a sombrero. And I'll tell you something more, now you listen to me good. In German, I'm a katze und das ist meine Hut. Just knocked me out. Now, if you listen to the whole song, it gets into some things that are kind of questionable today. They make up some Eskimo. They use the word Eskimo, etc. But this idea that there are different ways of saying cat and hat in all these languages. I mean, first, the beginning of me was when I had an encounter with Hebrew when I was four. And I've written this story often that I was just amazed that there was this other language. This is a shout out to Ariel Guy by the way, with whom I had a brief relationship when we were four. That's how I learned what Hebrew was. But after that, it was this cat and the hat that just blew me away. You never know what the cat and the hat might do to you. And God bless French, but that song carried an implication that French was the first foreign language that an American might approach. That's what it imprinted in me. I thought, first, what's this French thing? What's chapeau? But ideally, Spanish would have been first. Anyway, Miss Torres, or whoever it was, I apologize again for parking in front of your garage. I'm not going to give the exact address for various reasons, but it was in Queens. And if by some chance you listen to Lexicon Valley, or maybe more likely one of your kids does, just please apologize to your aunt or your uncle or your grandfather or your mother or whoever it was. I'm doing this episode partly as a missive from my warped mind, but also as a kind of atonement. I still don't know why I parked in front of your garage. I wasn't that sleepy, and it's very clearly a garage. But here is a valentine to the language you wrote the note in. And hopefully I have also gotten across to my listeners the eternal lesson that a language is so much more than a basket of words. Lo siento, neighbor. You can reach us at Lexicon Valley at Slate.com. That's Lexicon Valley at Slate.com. To listen to past shows and subscribe or just to reach out, go to Slate.com slash Lexicon Valley. Mike Volo was the producer of this show, and thank you to him as always. I, as always, am John McWhorter. And right now, I'm actually parked one space away from that very garage. Now, if it turns out that that garage has moved, then I'll know that something is very wrong.